What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Today we continue our journey looking at the redemption of Scrooge. Our main theme is that if Scrooge can be redeemed, any of us can be redeemed. We started the first week of Advent by looking at the hope that can stir within us. There is a light present in all of us, and God calls us to embrace it more and more throughout our lives. Last week we saw that our past can often be a source of pain, but peace comes through repentance, through working to make things right, and by growing in our trust for others, just as God trusted Jesus with a frail, broken human parent. Now, as we reflect on the topic of joy, we go deeper into the story of Dickinson's novel, A Christmas Carol, as Ebenezer Scrooge encounters the next specter, the ghost of Christmas present. Our scripture for today comes from the Gospel of Luke, and it follows on the heels of last week's passage about John the Baptist. Here we hear the good news proclaimed by John. People had traveled from all over to see and hear his message. To some people, he probably seemed so extreme that it was like entertainment to go and watch him talk. But when they get there, his message cuts deep to the heart. They are moved to repentance and want to live a new life. Let's listen to this message from the Gospel of Luke chapter 3, verses 7 through 18. Hear now the word of the Lord. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees, Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed to you. Soldiers asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? God, may we be an inclusive community, passionately following Jesus Christ. Open our hearts and minds to your word for us today. Make us joyful people, even in this busy and sometimes difficult season. In Christ we pray. Amen. I thought we could start this message on joy with what has been declared 
the funniest religious joke in the world. Do you want to hear it? It goes like this. Once I saw this guy on a bridge about to jump, I said, don't do it. He said, nobody loves me. I said, God loves you. Do you, do you believe in God? He said, yes. And I said, are you a Christian or a Jew? He said, a Christian. I said, me too, Protestant or Catholic? He said, Protestant. I said, me too, what denomination? He said, Baptist. I said, me too, Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? He said, Northern Baptist. I said, me too, Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist. I said, me too, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region or Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern region? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region. I said, me too, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region council of 1912? He said, Northern Conservative Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. I said, die, heretic, and I pushed him off the bridge. Now, we would never do that here at Grace, right? We love everybody, no matter where you come from. But today is a day in the church that has a special name to it. It's not just the third Sunday of Advent. It's called Gaudete Sunday. That's the name it, it's had for several hundred years now, and it's Latin for rejoice. I grew up singing a song that I think maybe my dad wrote this song, but it goes like this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. I always think of that happy, joyful song on this date. But that scripture from Luke chapter 3 may not sound particularly joyful to you. In fact, to some it might be downright insulting. Brood of vipers is about the worst insult you can give to someone in ancient times. Its equivalent today is so vulgar, I would get run out of this pulpit if I were to share it with you here this morning. So why do we celebrate joy using a passage that has vulgar insults and flames from hell in it? That is a Great question. I'm so glad you asked it. Let's see if we can figure it out this morning. When we think of rejoicing and joy, often we think of things that make us laugh, of jokes and singing and gathering with family, and those are great things. We even know that when it comes to our health, laughter really is the best medicine. A good laugh can reduce tension and stress, leaving your muscles relaxed for up to 45 minutes. It can boost your immune system. It increases endorphins, leaving you feeling good. Laughter can even help protect against heart attacks and help you burn calories. How about this? One study in Norway showed that people who had a strong sense of humor outlived those who don't laugh as much, and this effect was particularly pronounced for those who are battling cancer. Laughter and humor can help keep you alive, especially when you are facing some of the toughest situations life can throw at you. But many of us know intuitively that there is a difference between laughing and being happy and being happy versus joy. They are not the same thing. J.D. Salinger, who wrote Catcher in the Rye, says this, the fact is always obvious much too late, but the most singular difference between happiness and joy is that happiness is a solid and joy 
a liquid. That's a really interesting way to put that difference. I often think of happiness as a fleeting moment. You can hear a good joke, laugh, and be uh, right back to your usual grumpy self 15 seconds later. But I think maybe that short changes happiness a little bit. What, what Salinger is getting at, I think, is that happiness as a solid is based on our exterior circumstances. We probably aren't going to be laughing and happy with people if something awful happened just 10 minutes ago. But joy, joy on the other hand, can transcend our circumstances. Joy doesn't need happy circumstances. In fact, it can thrive despite the circumstances. I think of the Apostle Paul who wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. In another part of the Bible, he is in jail for preaching about Jesus, and he just keeps saying it over and over, Be joyful. Rejoice in hardship. And that there is joy in his life being poured out for the benefit of others. His circumstances don't matter. He even goes so far as to say that even if he dies he would still rejoice because he is able to minister and help others know God. See, joy stays with us even when the circumstances around us are challenging, even if they are threatening, even if our lives are on the line. Joy is satisfaction that lives in our souls. Now, don't think that I'm encouraging you to deny reality. No, it's that we can have a healthy, emotional, and spiritual state even if our bodies suffer. Knowing that I'm not going to live forever makes me want to pursue joy over happiness. I want my mind and spirit to be stronger than the temporary circumstances that I find myself in. I want to be the best version of myself no matter what is happening around me. That's what it means to have joy. It fills your life no matter the shape that it's in. When we think of the Christmas story of Jesus being born and consider the full circumstances of his birth, I'm guessing that being joyful was far more important to the Holy Family than being happy. Listen for a moment to the circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth. It's the story of a baby born out of wedlock into poverty. It's the story of immigrants scared to live in their own country. It's the story of a widow raising her children on her own. None of that sounds like particularly happy circumstances, does it? Yet when this baby is born, the angels praise God and say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. They are rejoicing. They are practically singing with joy for this incredible moment of a baby born in a stable. Why? Because joy doesn't need circumstances to be perfect. Because Jesus blesses and heals the soul, even if the world around us, on the surface, seems to still be broken. There is a deeper work going on when Jesus is around. He isn't just making people happy, although I'm sure that happened too. He is bringing joy as people realize that the God of the universe loves them. God is for us. 
not against us. God is making the world right as person after person is convinced that you don't have to have what you want to feel joy. In fact, if we slow down, we might find we are at peace. We are content. We are joyful, even though our circumstances might normally draw different thoughts and feelings from us. I don't know about you, but that kind of life sounds pretty good to me. In my mind, I choose to pursue joy over happiness. But how do we get there? Well, that's the trick, isn't it? We know intuitively how to be happy, tell a joke, buy something at the mall, go hang out with our friends, but those are all short-lived. Joy comes from something that happens inside of us, something that is true before we even get into a tough situation. And I think John the Baptist is pointing the way in the passage we read earlier. John is not just giving us a set of moral instructions He is laying out the path toward true joy. After John the Baptist says to make the path straight and to bear fruit worthy of repentance, the people ask, what then should we do? This phrase shows up over and over in the Gospel of Luke. They are saying, how can we be saved? This is the path to true joy. It begins with salvation, being saved from our sin, from our own brokenness, and saved from separation from God. We want our souls to be at peace so we can find joy in any circumstance, and this is the way. He starts with, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. Most people in this time would have owned only one coat, so to have two means the person had more wealth than others. He's saying, if you have extra, you have got to share with the people that are in need. That is the path to joy. Share what you have. Don't hoard it. The same is true about food. I'd even guess it's probably the same when it comes to our home and our money. When we have enough, share with those who are in need. That's a step toward true joy. He goes on, tax collectors are asking the same question about how to be saved. Uh, Back then, the tax collectors could cheat and collect more than was required, but it was hard to prove that a tax collector was cheating. In Israel specifically, the money was being used to build the king's palaces and pagan temples, so this would have incensed the Jews. They would have been absolutely livid about what a tax collector was doing, and they would have been treated as a traitor and a heathen in that time. Uh, John the Baptist says to them simply, collect no more than the amount prescribed to you. Just be fair. That's it. He doesn't say change jobs or convince the people you are a good person. Just be fair in your dealings with others. For the soldiers, these are not Jewish people. Jews were excluded from military service, so these are foreigners stationed in Israel. Some had revolted over their wages and and frustration at how long they must serve uh, Rome, the Roman army. John the Baptist says, be satisfied with your wages. And for those soldiers that would extort money from the locals or would falsely accuse them of crimes, he says, don't extort Don't threaten people or or accuse them falsely. It all seems pretty straightforward, doesn't it? He is telling people to stop doing the evil things they are going to do. That's it. Essentially, be moral. Do right. Be good to others. 
That's the path toward joy. But notice that it is a response people make in how they treat others. Joy comes when we choose God and live out those godly values in relation to others. Too often we get caught in one or the other. We might say joy comes when we follow God. Yes, that's a huge part of it. But if you follow God and ignore the people around you, you aren't really following God, are you? If you are just trying to help other people, but you ignore God, you might be doing good things in the world, but you have neglected your own soul. You've lost purpose and meaning in this world. Joy comes when these two things are married together. Repent, serve God, and do right by others. Help those around you. Be fair and share out of your abundance. Imagine what the world might look like if we were able to strike that balance in our lives. We would probably know our neighbors' names. We would pray with them and listen carefully for their needs. We wouldn't be miserly toward others. We would give and bless them and help them whenever there is a need that we know we could meet. Even Scrooge started to turn a corner in A Christmas Carol when he was with the ghost of Christmas present as Scrooge's employee, Bob Cratchit, comes home from church with his son, Tiny Tim. We hear a heartwarming thought from Tiny Tim. He says that it is good that he is at church for the Christmas Eve service so that people will see him on his crutches. Perhaps on Christmas Day, he thinks, him on his crutches will help remind all of them of the one who healed the lame and raised the dead. His injured body will remind the people of Jesus and they will be grateful to God. Scrooge asks the ghost of Christmas present a question. He wonders if the boy, Tiny Tim, will live, and the ghost answers in the negative. If nothing changes, if no one will share from their abundance, if no one will choose to make a difference in this world, he will die. Scrooge is saddened by the news, but this is an exact quote from the story. He was overcome with penitence and grief. He was sad, yes, but he was also repentant. He was ready to change. Scrooge was ready to live differently. Now, we'll have to wait until next week before we finish out this story of redemption, but let's wrap up here in a different way. I want you to complete the sermon today. I want your participation bringing this all together. I'd like to hear from you about your joy. What makes you joyful this Christmas season? We are going to spend a few minutes hearing your own testimonies of joy. Uh, there are many things around us that we may be grateful for and appreciate, but perhaps there is something in your life that is not right, and yet you still have joy. I'd love to hear about it. So I'm going to grab a microphone here. And I'd like to hear from you. What are your joys in this Christmas season? So I want to hear your testimony. Oh, you're pointing to your wife. Does that mean she has a testimony or you're joyful for your wife? She's joyful for you. Oh, I didn't expect that. <laughs> 
joy it doesn't matter what the circumstances are around you you are full of god's love for this world and i i i give praise to god for that praise god for your life today judian well let me conclude with this then what is happening in our life here today is not the source of our joy our joy comes from jesus christ jesus loves us and if we can carry that love everywhere we go no matter what is happening in our lives that is true joy and so i want to invite you and encourage you to share that joy with the world today it doesn't matter what is happening in our lives the pain we might be in the ways that we might be struggling what matters is that god's love is here with all of us today and we can share that with the world. Amen? Amen. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.